Hello and welcome to Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that's taking the time to answer the questions you didn't know you don't want the answers to. I'm Sean. And I'm Vib, and neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Before we get to the episode, let's award the much-vaunted Expertise is Overrated Tinfoil Award. Okay, so this is a good one. Uh, we had a quite an argument about whether or not I had to wear it for the rest of my life for the entirety of my hot take, which I maintain is, is true. But we've decided that it's a bit unfair to give the hot take uh, haver the Tinfoil Award simply for speaking their mind. So it's, in fact, this week going to Vib for prescient kings of Gondor. Do you want to take us through that one? I mean, you know what? I, I think in the grand scheme of things, it was still better than all of your arguments. But I will concede that, that suggesting that the kings of Gondor were so wise that they decided to just fuck off and not rule Gondor in, in, you know, in, in an attempt to, to make Gondor better off is indeed a bit nuts. Yeah, and using that as an argument in favour of kingship was... Odd, I think we can we can agree. Odd, but you know, I won the argument, so I guess what can I say? I think we'll we'll need to leave it to the listeners to to decide that. Um, I'm 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 glad to. I think they're smart people. Really, they're listening to us. Speaking <laughs> of, <laughs> uh, in our last episode, we explained that we would be doing a history of the Warhammer Fantasy Universe in 15 minutes. Now, we sat down to try and work out what that would look like and we realized that there's sort of just way too much to do in an hour never mind 15 minutes so we thought what we would do is pull out some key themes from from sort of significant events i think that's that feels like the best way to do it let's get to it i think it's important to realize that the history of the Warhammer world can also just be described as why everything is Marathi's fault. Um, so, oh, why are you going straight in with blaming Marathi? Okay. <laughs> wow. Someone, so, someone loves, them, uh, loves the elves. I, I think, yeah, we need to, need to set the scene, allow her to come onto the stage and then blame her for everything that goes wrong beforehand. So, who were the old ones, and what what do they have to do with everything? I mean, who who were the old ones is a very big question. Um, my understanding of them, and I'm obviously an expert on the matter, is that they're some sort of space traveling group of extremely high level beings. Doesn't that just really paint the picture? Yeah, it makes it makes everything super clear, right? Super super clear. <laughs> um, I mean that that is honestly my understanding of them and and I'm equally confused as I'm sure your average listener would be right now. Uh, yeah, I think I think what we have with the old ones is uh the ultimate uh Deus Ex Machina. They are literally just godlike beings that were invented to get us to the start of anything happening. Um all that we that anything have... being fantasy and 40k arguably. Which I think is why they've, they're deliberately so vague. Yeah, that's potentially right. I think there's there's a there's a bigger argument to be had, and this is definitely an episode that's coming. This isn't fake sizzle. This is real sizzle. Uh, we are going to have an episode on whether or not the Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer 40k universes are the same. Spoiler alert: they're not. Spoiler um, alert: they are. 
then we've already got something to talk about. Um, I mean, yeah. I also like the old suggestion that we have fake sizzle. I mean, that, that's a that's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> We're, We're all about the real sizzle. We're definitely teasing episodes that will never happen. We'll just not explain which ones those are. But no, so you have the old ones, these sort of inscrutable, uh, nearly omnipotent beings who arrive on... We're going to need a better word for the, the planet. Um, I'm going to call it Earth. Um, you know what, that's an interesting interesting point, though. Does that planet have a name whatsoever? It's just called the Warhammer fantasy world, as far as I know. I, I, I've i certainly never heard one, and as an expert in the matter, I think we can take that as conclusive. You know what, I'll give it to you for once. <laughs> so they arrive, um, and have some great unknowable plan that they need to put into action. And so because they're godlike beings, the first thing they do is create a whole bunch of races to do all the the heavy lifting for them. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, you, you decided to go with Earth, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they, might, they, might, they I, might I suggest something slightly more poetic? Terra? Terra, absolutely. Wait, no, that's... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, shit. Um, so one zero. So, so what? What? What do they create? Oh, you're asking me. Well, yeah, because otherwise it's just me reading from our notes. Yeah, but I mean, what do you mean you asking me? I'm, I'm an expert on the matter. They obviously create um, elves first, right? I don't think so. I mean. I think that sounds a little bit like elven propaganda to me. Uh, you might be right, but it's, it clearly is the elves who write the Wikipedia page, and it's it's it is. kind of outrageous, because I, I think we could all agree that the lizards came first. I think we have to, because... Or, or lizard men, rather. You know, we, I think we have full to. Lizards, apparently. Specifically the, the slan, I think, but yet yeah, more generally, I think, you know, there's, there's too much writing about the, the sort of thousands of years of war that the lizard men waged sort of before elves even really appear on the scene so i mean, I mean actually calling slan lizard men is kind of heinous in and of itself aren't they they're clearly toads <laughs> or frogs maybe it depends how amphibian they are i mean i don't think they're going for swims <laughs> well croak did for quite a long one uh true um but no, I think I think it has been said that Croak is the the sort of oldest. I, I think yeah, being, isn't he? So so for anyone who doesn't really have any idea what Warhammer Fantasy is about and has got five minutes into this podcast and is waiting for us to explain, keep listening. Um, we never will. No, never. But for for lizard men, picture exactly what you're hearing: lizards that walk on two legs and and look like men. Um, except for except it's only some of them. Some of them, yeah. When we're talking about slan picture, you know, like if Donald Trump slowed off his skin suit and was just obviously the sort of fat, lazy wow. toad that he is. Wow, this will be a joke that no one will understand in five years' time. But I really hope. Yeah, so. no, it actually does 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 show it rather well. Um, yeah, so so if you if you think thinking of the sort of children of the old ones, the lizard men, you have races that were built for a specific purpose and the slan are their magical vessels they're the ones who really understand the great plan and it's the slan who teach 
the elves sort of how to be a civilization magic all of that thing all that sort of thing and then everything is absolutely fine it's it's funny because what they actually are is elves tolkien's elves um but that's obviously you know been done before so they went for lizards instead because that's way cooler wait say that one again talk me through that <laughs> the first born of the gods quite clearly elves in in tolkien world and the elves True. teach men i mean i suppose they wage war against the orcs for many many years before then but the analogy is is there i think i i guess except that warhammer elves are also tolkien elves so you've just got elves twice Elves all yeah, no, no, but that's what, but that's what I'm saying is they they clearly wanted to have Tolkien's elves in the world. Are the are the Slan not the Valar? Oh no, I think the old ones are the Valar. Are the old ones not Eru? No, because okay. Eru is one. And the well, old sure, gods are quite but, clearly more than one. But the old ones could be some sort of gestalt consciousness. We're getting really distracted. And all I'm saying is the old <laughs> ones at one point move the elves from one continent onto another continent, which is kind of a Valar thing to do. That's true. That's true. But yes, yeah, we're getting very off track here. What, all I'm saying is, what I suspect happened is that Christopher Tolkien at one point sued Games Workshop and said, "This is outrageous." And so that they were like, "No, no, 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 no! We, there's lizards. They're frog people. It's fine." <laughs> that must have happened. One hundred percent. Yeah. So the slan, the teach the elves, and and everything is fine, and everyone lives happily ever after. Right? Yes? Good? Yes, of course. Thank you for listening. Um, no, it was a good episode. It was a good episode. Uh, <laughs> sadly, sadly not. There's a almighty cataclysm, the sort of great polar gates that the old ones use to travel between the stars, which are probably, I picture some sort of Stargate SG-1 style. Yeah, yeah but does it make any sense to you whatsoever? Uh, that's a no. No, I mean it's narratively necessary, but other than that, star-traveling gods who somehow are restricted to using gates that are at the poles of a particular planet that doesn't so even have a name. I think that they're not gods. Ooh, what do you think they are? So I think that they're. If you imagine, Arthur C. Clarke says that any sufficiently advanced technology will seem like magic. Yes. Yeah. So if if you think of this, the old ones as being a race of starfarers who have sufficiently advanced technology so as to be able to world shape and raise the consciousness of, of sentient beings and what what have you and sort of create genetically manipulated frog people or whatever. I think that's what you're dealing with with the old ones. I don't think that they're gods in the sort of traditional sense. They're not you okay, know, so just, just a, a, or anyone yeah, like that. A, a high level yeah. scientist, essentially. Essentially. I think that's the only thing that makes the, sense. The kind of person who also would spend some time creating, you know, superhuman beings, for example. Yeah. A.K.A. The Emperor no, of Mankind. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's right. I think uh, I think what Sean is saying is that he thinks the Emperor is in fact just the old ones. No, stop it. No one's ever. Tell going me, to tell me, I'm theory. wrong. Tell me, I'm wrong. I mean, 
I don't want to because you'll just keep going. Because I might this, be right. <laughs> going with this stupid idea. Um, no, but I, you, you might be onto something. And and I think, as we've said, the, the concept of gods in, well, frankly, any Warhammer world is is more than enough material for multiple episodes because they don't make any sense whatsoever. Well, no, they don't. And to go wander off on another tangent, you know, you've got such different categories of being that may or may not be God, right? Because you've got, or gods, because you've got, taking the elves as an example, Asurian, Cain, Vol, these are gods in the sort of traditional sense of the word. They don't live in the material world. They appear to be able to bestow favour upon worshippers. Um, and then it gets to the end times and everything becomes weird. But then you've also got someone like Sigmar in uh, the Empire or uh, Grimnir, Grungi, Valea for the Dwarves, who by all accounts did actually exist and yet are worshipped as gods by their um, descendants, the sort of the people of the Empire worship Sigmar, the dwarves seem to venerate Grungi, mm. etc. And this is the weird thing about it all, right? Is that there's these these gods that quite a lot of beings do revere, but are never really seen. And then, yeah, as you say, you have these other gods that people revere and that clearly were alive at one point. And there's also beings like Ariel. God, yeah, what is Ariel? Exactly, exactly. So there's just too many unknowns. Yeah, and it becomes even more complicated when you start, when you think about like the warrior priests of Sigmar channel his power or some form of power, right? That appears to be divorced from magic. So where are they getting their power from? Yeah, but magic is a whole a whole other <laughs> whole other <laughs> issue because that 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 is in many ways, divine power, just not the kind of divine power that you should be worshipping, really. Well, so you, is this the... Are you suggesting that the winds of magic come from chaos? chaos? Yeah. yeah, I mean... I am it's suggesting quite that. hard to argue with that, uh, given that they blow out of the, the wastes. But anyway, dear listener, we've gone off on yet another tangent. Um... I mean, we are about 15 minutes in and we've said precisely nothing. So our, our claim of having done the entire history of the Warhammer universe in 15 minutes is, is uh, yeah. definitely, <laughs> definitely untrue. It's an interesting discussion and we will be, I think, be picking it up. But we, we're, we were on the destruction of the Polar Gates, weren't we? Yes. So pr- literally before history started. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so what what we learn, or what we're what we're told from that is that the old ones, whoever or whatever they were, had ancestral or hereditary enemies in malign intelligences from outside reality. These are the beings that will come to be known as the chaos gods, and for some unknown reason, the old ones left. Terror, and the polar gates collapsed, and the forces of these dark sort of intelligences 
swarmed out of the rifts that this left behind and waged war upon all of the people left behind after the old one old ones left which you know if you've lived forever in sort of bliss and harmony and what have you is probably quite a distressing experience well i don't know if they necessarily did live in, in bliss and harmony throughout because one of the things that i read was that the saurus um i guess a a type of lizard man that they make up a bunch of their infantry in the in the tabletop version of the game. Mm. They they were a species that seemed to have evolved to to start fighting the sort of miscreants, I guess. Um these lower level beings that, that seemingly evolved in the wrong way as decreed by the old ones. And so they just <laughs> raised these these armies of lizardmen to go and, and kill them all. Yeah. So so I I guess yeah, warriors existed even before chaos hit terror. I love that we're calling it terror, by the way. I really don't. I'm counting that as a win. But they, um, yeah, they basically get their ass kicked for hundreds, if not thousands, of years, don't they? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I can't blame them to be honest, because you know it was, as you say, still a relatively peaceful existence and then all of a sudden you have the full force of chaos just raging on your planet I mean I don't think we'd do particularly well and we've got like guns um, yeah but some, some might argue that we are the forces of chaos <laughs> that's a bit deep uh... <laughs> coming, to, coming to an episode soon <laughs> oh good god you're determined to get us cancelled Oh no, that's one of those false sizzles. Just don't tell the audience. <laughs> anyway, so we have forces of chaos tramping their way across uh, the surface of the planet, and really, the sort of resistance can be broken down into three core factions, races, call them what you will. Two of them we've already mentioned, obviously the lizard men and the elves, uh, and and the final one. It's the one that we haven't mentioned thus far, and that's the uh, dwarves. But they don't do anything really interesting, so we'll just skip over them for now, other than to say that uh, they sort of run and hide in their mountains and then emerge when all the fighting's done. Yeah, I mean, they, they rock up at an inopportune moment, really, I suppose, don't they? Yeah. Like, imagine being born into that nonsense. <laughs> um, so, so when you say chaos, I, I guess what we're looking at at that, at that point in time is purely demons, right? I think so. I think this is that's why you have the the vortex. So we'll park the, 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 the lizardman conflict because essentially they do a lot of losing and then the elves save them. I think basically is what happens and they claim, the, the slap claim <laughs> after the fact that's... that they helped, but yeah, that's kind of the story of the lizard men throughout, isn't it? They, <laughs> they have this great plan and yet seem to wholly yeah. fail to enact any of it. So, so we're left with um, what what the elves do, and and so you know, do you, this is where you get the entrance of the sort of first, I would say, probably the first characters of of the universe. Would you think that's a fair assessment? Arguably, yes, because I mean, so far we've mentioned one, which is which is Lord Croak. Um, but I, I think Ribbit. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing we're disrespecting, right? Because 
uh, I think ultimately he's a bit of a retcon where they were like, ah, oh, the slan were probably quite interesting. We should have a character that is a slan. I think that's probably right. Because um, I don't know how much he 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 does early on or how much of it is documented. Well, from my understanding, he sort of single-handedly saves Itza, which is the sort of old capital of the the lizard men. But I mean, yeah, he does die. Now sure he's so supremely magical that it doesn't quite stick, but well, dying you know. in the Warhammer world is a very <laughs> fluid concept. It's quite 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 an impermanent situation. It really is. I mean some would argue that you're better off dead. <laughs> yeah. But he um yeah, he's sort of they just do quite a lot of dying, the the lizard men as a whole. And yeah, Croak um somehow ascends to a sort of semi-divine mummy status. Um but really <laughs> semi-divine mummy. It's yeah. it's really bizarre. Um but really I'm watching I mean, the semi-divine frog mummy, that's that's deep. I mean, yeah, it's it's completely barmy. It does it does apparently take twelve greater demons of corn to bring him down, but you know I don't, they're a dime a dozen, really, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, I think it's it's not so much that he doesn't do anything, as it's just not narratively very interesting. I you think know, that's right. I think that's right. But the, but the whole thing isn't really. Um, not, and the whole thing, if, if you really think about it, the whole thing doesn't make that much sense. What do you mean? I think, I think you're right, but I'm curious what you mean. I mean, we're talking about chaos. And the way it's always seemed to me is that this is more or less unbridled chaos, right? The gates are effectively open to to virtually anything that isn't the actual chaos gods themselves. Sure. And and this is a, a still a very primitive world that they're attacking. And yet yeah. they, they don't win. I mean, they do have dragons. Um, and Croak is probably the single most magically gifted thing that has ever existed um but yeah no you have you have, you have yeah. a sort of fair point right you've got unbridled access to reality the the whole point of the gates being open is imagine a sort of hole in reality through which raw magic is pouring and obviously demons require magic to exist so they're powered up to 11 and yeah, they don't they don't win, and I, I guess, but I think that's sort of when I say the, the the actions of the slan aren't narratively interesting. If you look at where I think you could argue the real conflict takes place on Ulthuan, that is narratively interesting. You've got tragic heroes, you've got friends betraying each other and coming good at the end, and all of that. You've got you know forlorn hopes and. That stories are, make this more interesting than our frog chat magically no, fought I, I, with 12 angry <laughs> bats and then he died, but he didn't. You've got such a way with words. I do. <laughs> um, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. But I, I guess what we do have to remember is that the elves are, as you say, arrogant. They, they, they fancy themselves kind of there. The lords of the world. So I think when they wrote down the history, they may or may not have omitted the input of the lizard men. I think that's right. And there is there's certainly a suggestion that the lizard men, the slan, help 
with the the vortex they help to keep the the winds under control but yeah so yeah i mean tell us about this vortex then because i'm confused right so and i'm an expert you are an expert and you're confused it doesn't bode well for the rest of us um the great the vortex so you have two sort of key key leaders of the elves at, at this time. well three but we'll park one for the moment you have um anarian who is will go on to become the first uh, Phoenix King, um, and uh, Kalidor, Dragon Tamer, uh, sort of the, a, a mage, a, a magician, a wizard. Um, magician, and, wow. Uh, Rude. Sure. Uh, he, it's he's the first uh, person to ride dragons. Uh, he's often said to be, you know, incredibly magically powerful. As we will say across most of the remainder of this podcast, everyone who's ever spoken about is the most magically powerful person that's ever existed. So it all gets a bit silly. Quite, quite. Um, but no, so Anarian sees his people being slaughtered and goes to um, the the temple of, of Asurian, uh, the, the sort of high king of the gods of, of the, the elves. And, and he prays to Asurian and nothing happens. He makes sacrifices to Asurian and nothing happens and eventually sort of seeing no hope in, in sight for his people he he flings himself into the the sacred sort of eternal flame sacrificing his own life if only his people will be delivered but because this is a fantasy world he doesn't die he emerges from the fire reborn and invigorated and proceeds to become an absolute murder machine um, and it's absolutely great for a while and he leads the the High Elves in sort of victory after victory, and ends up married to the Everqueen, who was the who's the spiritual leader of the Elves and the sort of embodiment of one of their uh, mother goddess figures. I really like that you 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 don't draw the line at eternal flame. <laughs> Or some sort of eternal fire. That's totally normal, but but throwing yourself into it and surviving now that is fantasy. That is that is high fantasy right there. It's pretty high fantasy. Um I mean not not to even mention that the elves who were clearly there when the old ones were still around seem to have forgotten who the old ones are and instead worship some other random This is where guys. this is where it gets confusing though, doesn't it? Um but we're parking. We're not having that conversation. No, no, no. no but I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Like it's, it's, it's a so, bit weird. It's so strange. I think those guys are just delusional. They just make it all up. <laughs> a bit like you, really. Yeah, it's, it's true. I haven't made anything up yet um, that we know of. Yeah. So, uh, Anarian marries uh, the Everqueen and has two children, but they're losing. Right. The for every victory that Anarian and his forces win. It's not enough. They're constantly on on the back foot, and eventually, Calador, Dragon Tamer, comes to Anarian and says that he doesn't think that this is a war that could be won with swords. Uh, he thinks that I've got my order wrong. Doesn't matter. Um, he doesn't think that this is a war that could be won with swords. Uh, he thinks that a magical solution is required. Unfortunately, for Calador and sort of everyone, the demons of, of Chaos managed to find and kill Anarian's wife and, to the best of his knowledge, his children as well, which made him none too happy. On hearing this, he took a trip and 
picked up uh, the Sword of Cain, which is a magical weapon of ultimate killiness, uh, but it it's not it's not great, and it's corrupted him. It's a bit like the One Ring. Um, it gives you great power, but it also takes something away from you. Um, My goodness. Have you read the books? Yes. <laughs> in fact, I've read both The Lord of the Rings and some of the books in which this happens, uh, which is more than I can say for you. Um, you don't know that. But <laughs> anyway, so Anarion has the sword of Cain. He's not listening to reason. Um, Kalidor presents his case if he thinks a magical solution is needed. He thinks what needs to happen is a sort of magical vortex that will siphon away most of the the winds of magic, most of the sort of raw magical energy that's bursting out of the the polar gates. And in so doing, it will um, decrease the demon's hold on on the material realm. They'll they'll start to fade away. They won't have enough raw magical energy floating around them to to exist. Um, Anarian opposes this plan. They they part as as foes. Um, but at the very last, when Kalidor puts his plan into action, uh, Anarian does come to his aid, and mon- on the back, mounted on the back of his dragon, he defends Kalidor and his mages while they complete the spell. The Great Vortex is formed, magic is siphoned, most of the magic is siphoned out of the world, and the demons fade. Anarian, at this point, also single-handedly kills four greater demons, one of each of the four chaos gods, which is a pretty impressive feat. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's pretty badass. Let's not let's not get around here. Yeah, he's he's not he's not too shabby. Um, and as his last act, he flies back to the blighted isle from which he drew the sword of Cain and puts it puts it back in the altar uh, to try and make sure that it doesn't continue to sort of corrupt the world. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing there, I think, is when we think of the sort of the end of the universe, because there is currently still a canonical end to all this, right? The mm-hmm. end times. And yeah. the episode we will do on that is going to be absolutely groundbreaking. <laughs> um, but how how much time is there between all of this happening and the end times? Four, five? No, uh, longer than that. Longer than seven, that, right? Seven, eight thousand years, I think. Yeah, because the interesting thing is that the Calador Dragon Tamer is probably still alive. Well, yes, so that's an interesting one. And you do, way, way down the line, when we come to Tyrion and Taclis, and uh, at sort of the rate that we're going, that'll be in six episodes time. Um, <laughs> but Tyrion, uh, so not Tyrion, Taclis meets Calador, right? Calador appears oh, in yeah, yeah. dreams. Um so he's preserved, and he and Kalidor also appears to to Marathi. So he's preserved by the vortex, but he's not the only elf from from that those times that that's still alive. There's a there's a couple others kicking. Well, you imagine Marathi must be because you did you did blame her for literally everything, and yeah, you actually so, not mentioned her yet. So, so I, have, I hadn't mentioned her yet. I was going to going to come back to her. This is a good opportunity to do so. Marathi, obviously, is. Well, obviously, you know, our listeners may not. Marathi is Anarian's second wife. Uh, he marries her after having rescued her from a cabal of Slaneshi demons. Uh, Slanesh being the sort of chaos god of being kinky, as far as I can tell. Yeah, and, and rescue also being definitely the right term. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, yes, and and she bears him a single son, uh, Malekith, uh, who has never done anything wrong in his life. If you would listen to uh, the, uh, the end times, um, but yeah, it's they're, they're both there, Marathi and and Malekith. They're both there at the at the very very end. Yeah, those guys are old. Yeah, hell old. Malekith, I think, is meant to be about seven thousand years old. Yeah, something like that. I think. And Marathi's Which makes got Marathi seven, well, seven and a half, eight. I mean, it's. I mean, she didn't have to be a thousand by the time she gave birth. To you. No, but I think the pro- part of the problem is all of the time before the fall of the old ones, the Great Invasion. Like it just doesn't have any meaning. So yeah, I think that's right. So we've got no idea of how old an Aryan is. He reigns for something like seventy to a hundred years as Phoenix King before uh, dying, but we don't. know. Yeah, and this, and this is the weird thing about the elves in in, in the Warhammer world is that, uh, by and large, I think when people talk about elves in fantasy, that they are immortal, uh, at least in terms of they don't die of old age. But in in the Warhammer world, it's it's less obvious than that. They they do die of old age. Um, with a couple of notable exceptions, but you're right, they do. You Malekith and, and, and Marathi being obvious exceptions, because they, they seem to be a lot older than any other um, elves. The the one other, the one other, well, Ariel. Oh, and Kalador. Kalador, you know. I'm going to say, doesn't count, because he's essentially suspended out of time, I think, in the Vortex. I think that he yeah, probably exists the, more in the realm there. of chaos than than anything else, but parking him for one Second, the one other person who's sort of even approaching this age is uh, Alithanar, who yeah, that's true. Features in the Sundering, which is like two thousand years later, or maybe not quite, about a thousand years later. But he's still around. But again, he seems to be channeling some sort of otherworldly deific power in the same way that. Marathi and Malekith seem to keep themselves alive almost with just raw magical power. I guess the big question is: Does is this is this a sort of if you're strongly magical enough, you st- you live forever? It's it's very unclear. It really is entirely unclear. It's just <laughs> it's it's they sort of just gave up trying to answer that particular question. I think. Yeah, they decided. They it just, didn't you know matter. what? Just don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. You know, yeah. Malekith's old. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and now the interesting thing is we're, we're over half an hour into this um, into this 15 minute episode and uh, we've we've mentioned precisely three stroke four races which are obviously the lizard men the elves the dwarfs and and quote unquote chaos yeah um, <laughs> now the interesting thing is, is so uh, when, when I kind of got into Warhammer that's and I'm not gonna lie, I, I was, I'm an elves kind of guy, you know. I do like the elves. Um, so you read their history, and, and that's that's sort of kind of where it stops, you know, in terms of origin story. But then you you just look at the world, and there's a bunch of other stuff going on. Yeah, know, there's 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 a world full of green skins. There's undead things. There's these really really bizarre. And quite obviously made up story about giant rat men, um, which I don't know what's going on there, but it just seems way too far fetched. I mean, yeah, it sounds like just 
scare stories, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does, and, and and probably just guys have got a bit too pissed at the pub and made up some random stories to why they lost all their money. I don't know. But then it's again, just... there are there are beastmen, right? There are beastmen who live in the forest. So yeah, but that's totally so, believable. Yeah, but but couldn't these these rat men just be beastmen? Right, uh, not, may, maybe, maybe. I mean, no one's buying the you know a, a vast underground empire spanning the entire globe of you know. Tens no, of no, I, yeah, I, I could, I could see that hundreds that, of millions of, of of rats in an organized society, but you have gores, you have ungores that have goat heads or horse heads. Yeah, Why sure, not the odd sure. one with a rat head. And of course, yeah, well, and of course, the beastmen are. are irrefutably real like no, no one's going to argue with that because that, that would be ludicrous um but and i think a scared you know some scared warrior would would maybe in a in a flash look at him go oh that would look like a rat to me and so they'd yeah. go back and say oh there's giant rats out there in the world but i mean they're just they're just obviously beast men i mean there's, there's no such thing as giant rats um but if you think you've seen giant rats please report to your nearest witch hunter for <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely um and, and this this has always been something that I've I've clearly lacked any knowledge of. I mean, you know, you, I've heard of Sigmar and sure and all this sort of stuff. But if if you're an elves kind of person like I am, you just sort of get dropped into the later time frames. And for example, where you know the the, the Total War Warhammer series takes off. You know, where you have an emperor of mankind all of a sudden, and you have the empire. And you've got Marienburg, who's some sort of weird offshoot of the Empire. And then you've got Telia and Estalia. You've got these crazy people in the north, these Norskins. You've got Kislev. You've got Araby. You've got, in, in parts of the map that virtually didn't even make it onto the tabletop, you know, you've got your Nippon, your Ind, Cathay, Amazons. All these weird factions, as far as I'm concerned, just pop out of nowhere. It is odd. Isn't it? And 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 some of them are, are far more fleshed out than others. Obviously, I mean, you've gone through, you know, two two of the biggest ones there with with the Empire and Norska Kislev as well. I think started as an offshoot of the Emperor Empire, and then became their own thing. No, the rise of the Empire obviously is, is quite interesting, and we should probably go into that in a little bit of detail. But you've all you you've missed um, Nehekara off of that. Which I think you could probably assert was of the fleshed out areas of of the world. Is... Almost certainly, yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine that the part of Araby, arguably, I don't know. I don't think so. I think Araby is a sort of successor state. It's possible, yeah. Possible. Um, Nehekarans were had an empire before Sigmar was born. Um, I think uh, they. Well, obviously, as you know, Nehekara is where all the undead come from. So that's where the, that's where you get your tomb kings. Setra was king of kings of Nehekara, and then a few hundred years later, Nagash appears, and everything goes to shit. But that's sort of around the time of the Sundering, as far as I've been able to determine. Yeah, and this is just another example of of where it's it's really not not made very clear, right? Because I mean, the old ones, their intention was certainly to create mankind. Mm. Um, and, and I think they had some sort of primitive mankind species, but it, it doesn't seem like they were at all involved in the Great War. No, I don't think so. There's no, so, there's there's no records of it. I say there's no records of it. I've not read it in any of the sort of Black Library novels or 
army books that I've, I've yeah, had, I've had over and, the and they clearly survive well enough for yeah Sigma to be born and, and and all these various regions to to pop into existence. And that's not even to mention the other races we haven't talked about yet. You know, green skins, uh, ogres, ogres exactly. Whatever is going on on Albion. Whatever is going, I mean that that is possibly an episode because I think Albion is very interesting. I have to. It's going to be an episode where you're talking to me because I know nothing about it. Well, I think no, no one really knows anything about it. But that's part of the intrigue. I think. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they human? Are they different? <laughs> who, who really knows? Maybe, maybe coming to an episode uh, near <laughs> you soon. Um, but but this this is this is the sort of the thing that I that I found really interesting in the Warhammer world is that they they spend so much time talking about the old one. Well, not so much, but they they spend an amount of time talking about the old ones and Lizardmen and the elves, and then it's just boom here here's Sigma and <laughs> that is mankind for you. I don't I don't know that that's entirely fair because I, neither of us are particular sort of Empire fanboys and this might be our our problem. But I, my understanding is that the history of the Empire is well fleshed out. Right, you've got Sigma and his sort of going from being king of one tribe of, of one of the tribes of man to um, forming an empire of which he was emperor that endures for a good few thousand years. Um, and Karl Franz, I think, is, oh, excuse me, ostensibly of the line of Sigmar. Yeah, the empire endures for sort of two and a half thousand years after, after Sigmar is born. So... And it's, there's plenty of history in there. You've got the time of That's... the three emperors. You've got uh, Magnus yeah. the Pious. But these, you're right; these are sh- snapshots in time, I suppose, in a way that sort of the the history certainly of the elves isn't. And I think that's that's the point, right? Because you have, you know, talking about Elizabeth, for example, that, that's one faction, right? If you, if you look at the old yeah, um, tabletop, like that is one faction. That is the oldest faction you could possibly play as. And then when you have the elves, of course, after the Sundering, you have high and dark elves. And then at some point later, you get, you get wood elves as well. Um, and they're all quite fleshed out factions. Um, but when you then look at, at mankind... The, the the whole Sigma story is great, and you have the Empire and all that. But I, I just get the feeling that what they what they realize themselves is that that in and of itself wasn't that interesting, and so they just created a bunch of slightly different factions with a different flavor. Because I mean, when when again, when you look at the the factions of mankind, you've got the Empire, you've got Marienburg, which which in some ways is a separate faction, but it is is essentially part of the Empire. I think you've got to consider Marienburg to just be Empire. Right? It's, yeah, it's but they're just successful secessionists in some yeah. way, aren't they? Yeah. No, but I agree, but, but that's the thing, but they're they're they are the Empire. Then you've got Tilly and Astali, as I said. And and their their rosters were essentially just Empire rosters with, with slight mm. flavour units, you know, and they had a, a little bit of a Mediterranean vibe to them. And then, as you say, Kislev, probably an offshoot of the Empire at some point, and they became all icy and, and great. And then you, you really just sort of left, with the exception of Norska, which which are quite cool, you know, your, your old Viking-esque warriors with this, like, chaos vibe to them. Um, but then all the other factions of man, you know, yeah. Araby and, and Nippon and Cathay, all the stuff that's, that's supposedly Asian, I guess, just not that 
well fleshed out, really. No, it's, it's a real shame. I feel that if you look at European history, that there's there's some factions that they clearly could have made use of, and they just never did. Yeah, I mean, where's where's fantasy France? Where is fantasy France? Yeah, it's 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 a shame, really. But they could have they could have done more than just fantasy Germany. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre. But maybe, maybe the problem is humans aren't. How, how to put this? Interesting. Yeah, it's it's not quite that because you look at other other fantasy series, Lord of the Rings being the most obvious example, where the 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 author insert or the the reader insert is. I suppose they're not interesting either. Because sorry, I'm I'm having a thought all to myself over here. Um, Take your time. The most human characters in the Lord of the Rings are the hobbits, oddly enough. Um, Frodo is our insert because Frodo is us. We're not Aragorn. Aragorn, while being a man, isn't sort of your regular human. He's far too chosen. he's, He's the king. He's far too chosen one for that. So even though he's really the hero of the series, he's not the the point of view. But no, I agree. In, it's in, in, in Warhammer, it doesn't it doesn't work because why? Well, why doesn't it work? Is it just because there's, there's like there's fewer interesting stories to tell? I I think they're kind of up against it, aren't they? Because you know, when you have your croaks and your malekiths and your even when we talk about Tyrion and Teclis, who've done so much because they've lived for a few hundred years, mm. so it's quite easy to record all that, right? Whereas you have your I mean, who who are some of the famous men in history? There, you know, emperors, uh, as you say, I guess Setra at one point was a man, I believe, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as was and of course, but he but he made a name for himself, yeah, because they died and obviously therefore lived for centuries. But when it comes to finding out individual heroes, it's actually it's quite rare. I mean, from my from my research, the the only sort of real name I found was this guy called Giles, who I presume is from Albion. But as we said, we don't really know anything about Albion, so who knows what's going on there? Um, and, and as for the rest, you know, you have got your Karl Franzes, your Sigmars. But they they clearly have to do very exceptional things to gain any form of recognition. Hmm. And I guess if 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 you're reading the history of a world that's measured in the thousands of years rather than the centuries, even the lifespan of a single human is fleeting. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So so that you're right. There are a few big name humans kicking around. But no, most of the really big characters live hundreds of years, right? With your exception of your Sigmars, your Karl Franzes, your Magnus the Pious, and whoever. Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's very very odd, though. But I don't I don't know. It's it's such an because it's so easy to appeal to you're a human in a fantasy world as a as a um a, a, a gateway so i don't i just don't quite understand why it's not yeah and and i guess to again use the lord of the rings comparison uh, cuz obviously there you have the silmarillion 
the first age, the second age. It's all about the elves. Uh, but by the time we get into the Lord of the Rings proper, you know, the it's it's sort of the dominion of man, isn't it? They're, they're the more important True. focal points of the story. And yeah, sure, there's some important elves and wizards and whatnot involved, but there's definitely a transition of power. Now, whereas in the Warhammer universe, yes, the, the empire that once belonged to the High Elves is not anywhere near the same, but there's still quite a quite a serious number of elves kicking about in the world who oh, have done is all a... these amazing things. So how is a, a man who lives for possibly at most 100 years going to compete with anything like that? And this, this, is, this is something you've put on our list of episodes to talk about with regard to to 40k and we will do it why the numbers don't make sense but I think you can make the case for Warhammer Fantasy as well that the numbers just don't quite make sense if, if elves can live for a thousand years right they must be they must be incredibly infertile <laughs> Right, they just have well, to be the only thing that makes sense. Well, well, but also they have to be incredibly fertile because they waged war for years against literally unending hordes of chaos and still survive. And, and then, and then themselves, right? And then themselves, yeah. So they're equal parts incredibly fertile and absolutely infertile. You're, you're it, quite right. It just, it, I just, I just find find the numbers baffling. But then again, probably it's because the numbers are whatever the narrative requires them to be. Um. And they just, if they need to, they just find an army from from somewhere. Obviously, with the greenskins, the numbers are easy because they're just mushrooms, so they're constantly mushrooms. growing, and then they ki- then they kill each other when they get too many. It's just really easy. But that, but that's that's a really fun um, backstory, isn't it? That's great. That's <laughs> absolutely amazing. They're, they're, they are just violent mushrooms. It's it's incredibly it it's well incredible. designed. Uh, it's really really good. So go on then to to sort of wrap up this um this <laughs> history of, of the Warhammer universe in fifteen minutes in which we've essentially discussed high elves primarily and Lizardmen for I don't know, probably up forty five minutes and yeah. briefly mentioned others. Um what's your favourite faction in the Warhammer world? It's so difficult. Um I I really vary. I when I when I collected I was a I was a high elf player because I was, I'm sorry, I was like 14 and they were shiny and cool. Um, and I was right easily there with taken you. in. <laughs> but looking at, looking at it now, I think, I think there's some really interesting stories to tell with chaos, right? I think Archeon's story is, is really interesting. This idea well, yeah, quite, I mean, of, one, one of the most famous men there is, I suppose. I, I, yeah, exactly. So this idea of a sort of fallen hero. Um, who who comes back? I I I'm a I'm a sucker for the romanticism of of the of a vampire done correctly. I'm a, I'm a big Vlad oh, von Karstein fan. It's, it's hard to argue with that. Um, Vlad, though, come on, you've picked the worst von Karstein. <laughs> but no, I think yeah, I think I'm going to have to stick with 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 the high elves. I think they've just got the best stories. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you that there's they just stand for all the all the sort of right things, and they are very shiny. What I what I think is um, is interesting because obviously this this world is, is, is such a, a depth of things that you can go for and you know as, as again bring up total war um, creative assemblies invention of the vampire coast which I think was incredible and really quite yeah cool. I, I think I think that's 
if I'm correct, I think they had like a one-line entry in a White Dwarf once. I think so, yeah. I think it was it uh, Noctilus who was mentioned, I think, right? I think so. Because yeah. he is technically a Von Karstein, I think. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, essentially taking taking that one line and extrapolating it out. It shows you there's so much that can be done. No, I, I agree. Um, and I think they're, they're really cool. Um, and, and in fact, most of the factions are. I think they... They should really capitalize on this this weird Ratman myth and, and turn that into some sort of faction. I think that would be really cool to see, uh, and maybe give them some sort of like weird evil council and you know have them be all schemey and assassiny. I think that could be that could be really quite quite fun. I just don't think anyone would believe. It just feels far too unbelievable. I know, but it's fantasy. You know, <laughs> I'm sure they could make it work. I'm sure they could it make is. it work. I, I'd buy that. You know, I'd buy that any day of the week. And, and who knows? Maybe one day they will come up with some sort of fantasy equivalent for France um, to go with their <laughs> Scandinavian, Italian, Spanish, and German equivalents. But you know, we we can hope. We can hope. Maybe it'll be a a twenty fifty release special. I don't know. <laughs> I think that I think that brings us quite neatly to a close. Now, obviously, there are a bunch of things that we haven't covered yet in this episode. Don't worry, we. We will in in greater in greater detail. We'll probably spend some time. We've, there's probably an episode on the War of the Beard, the War of Vengeance. There's probably an episode on the Sundering, the Rise of Nagash, etc. Um, well, obviously, separate are are probably interesting things to cover. What we wanted to do today really was just give you an, an overview of where what our thoughts were on this. Apologies, it probably was a bit a bit rambling, but we're um. I mean, I love the sound of my voice, so it's great. Yeah, it turns out trying to do... I mean, you try and do the history of our planet in 15 minutes, it's it's quite hard. What, 11 and a half billion years of, of the history of the universe in 15 minutes? Yeah, that probably yeah, is quite tough. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but ultimately what we're saying is when we give you a 15-minute episode and you actually get five hours worth of content eventually, yeah. can you be disappointed? I don't think so. I mean, it would be very unreasonable to be... <laughs> Uh, disappointed with that in any case i think um at this point we just say thanks for listening uh, to this episode of expertise is overrated no doubt we've said some things that were either objectively wrong or downright offensive although perhaps less so this episode let us know um feel free to let us know rate the podcast and leave us a comment or drop us an email at expertise is overrated at gmail.com or tweet us at zero expertise uh, in our next episode, uh, we'll be returning back to making lists of things because lists are always fun. We'll be ranking the Primarchs from Warhammer 40k in order of who we think is the best. Yeah, get ready for some more nonsense. <laughs> <laughs>